Hello and welcome to episode three of Jack Talks To. For those of you that are new here, this podcast is all about myself having conversations with friends of mine, people that I know, uh, people who've got interesting perspectives on things, who've got creative ideas um, about things and also have experiences that I um, I find fascinating and I really wanted to have those conversations in more of a, a public forum. So that's what the show is all about. It's basically me having a good old chin wag uh, with a few friends of mine. The show is totally unedited, it's unfiltered, it's raw. The uh, show actually goes out as a live stream first and foremost on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Jack versus life, after which it's aired. I then take the audio and repurpose it into this podcast. So like I say, it's totally unedited and unscripted. What you're getting is an unadulterated version of our conversation, which I hope you appreciate. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. Uh, This is episode three and I'm joined uh, with my friend Ben Dilloway. Ben is a professional actor, um, but we're not going to talk about uh, the world of acting. Actually, we're going to talk about Ben's experiences with microdosing LSD, also known as acid, um, and microdosing it uh, in order to cure uh, depression uh, that he was suffering from a couple of years ago. Um, It's a really interesting episode. Um, It was a conversation that that Ben and I had uh, about a month ago, and I was just absolutely fascinated uh, with his experiences. Um, Ben, I have to stress, is um, he's not a druggie by any means. Uh, He's a very uh, healthy guy, a very clean living. Uh, He doesn't advocate the use of drugs. Um, It was really just he was in a mindset to try something new in order to combat uh, his depression. Um, so I really respected that and uh, I thought it'd be a conversation worth having on this podcast. Um, as always, make sure if you want, you can reach out uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Jack Conan Burke, J-A-C-K-C-O-N-A-N-B-U-R-K-E, if you want the spelling. You can also email me info at burkefilms.co.uk. Feel free to reach out. Uh, we're still in the early days of this podcast, so always looking for constructive feedback. Um, but anyway, sit back, relax, open a beer, smoke a doobie, whatever you want to do. Um, hope you enjoy this episode three with Ben Dilloway of Jack Talks To. Enjoy. Totally. Absolutely. Sometimes life is shit and we need to be able to turn around. Like, I'm really lucky now that this whole thing has actually led me to um, um, a core group of people that are genuinely there. Uh, and not just waiting for you to stop talking so they can talk again. And, um, and you know, want to turn around and be like, hey, how are you doing? And you'd be like, oh, I'm really fucking struggling. They're like, tell me. So um, that's quite interesting because I think a lot of people, particularly in your line of work and I guess my line of work as well, um, the whole sort of um, entertainment industry from actors, you obviously deal with a lot of big egos. Um, and I suppose it's quite an unhealthy place to be whereby... Uh, everyone's always on an up. Everyone's always on a high. Like, you know, when you talk to people in our industry, it's like, oh, hey, what are you up to? It's like, oh, God, I'm so busy. I'm fucking great. Oh, I'm so oh, busy. Boy. Because as soon You're as you... I'm here. Yeah. I, I'm literally flying to the moon. Exactly. Know. It's like, oh, God, I mean, I've not had the time to, like, you know, go for you know go for a piss in the last four, four days. Uh, I'm that busy. Yeah, it's like you... <laughs> and sometimes you're just at home yeah. for five days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but, it, you know, but that's a whole... And it's such a whole kind of negative way of... Um, living because you know ultimately you're not being truthful um so i can imagine that kind of feeds into it so i'd like to start yeah. going on to it because you know it, i told you it's amazing how how we've been oh, going we've for been um, 45 minutes stop it, really. i know 
I said to Ben before we began. I said, I said, I said before, like you, you just be amazed how fast time flies. Um, so microdosing. So you're in this state of mind. You're um, negative loop. So basically. so like a negative feedback loop. You're just literally like yeah. in a very 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 bad place. Yeah. How did you first get onto microdosing? First, like ex- talk, like when did you first get exposed to information about acid? Did you already know about it, or was it something you had to find out? No, I think uh, with those kind of negative loops. Essentially, um, break down a relationship. Uh, the person I was in a relationship with had decided to. Um, well, essentially fabricate or, or tell a narrative that was uh, just so destructive. Uh, and I think I was in a place where I just couldn't comprehend. I just couldn't get my head around it. I mean, I still struggle a bit now, to be honest that I've had an experience with acid and many other like mental ailments um, for like months afterwards but still not relapsed in the way yeah. that uh, like I think it again I'd, I'd have to relook at it but um, it it can just boost your mood and I would have taken anything there if you'd give me a pill that would said like you won't feel like this for a fucking day and a half I would have had like 10 of them. Like I would have done anything. That's fascinating. Um, and um, and also I think it gave me in such an apathetic state that I was in. I was traveling the country, surrounded by brilliant people as well. And like there's a bit of respite, but on the whole I was just like, fuck. Um, you know, just drudgery. And uh, it gave me this like beacon of hope that I was like, fuck. So I'm like researching it and thinking like, and it's difficult as well, isn't it? Like it feels like, like I had to go into the dark web and buy fucking gear. Off so the okay, so let's talk about this. This is what done before. This is what I find fascinating. So, um, so you just made the decision. You're like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experiment with acid. How does one go? Okay, we're not sort of advocating how to do how this, but essentially, do. you had to get your hands on some acid. Um, and yeah. what was I had that? actually had it. Oddly enough, I'd had I'd had like a quarter of a tab at um, Secret Garden Party years before. So you had experience with it? Yeah, I had had an experience with it. And I remember after that, I was in, you know, that was the first time that I was in a bit of a, bit of a dark place, I think. And that night, everything melted away, like all my trouble. And it was just like sheer joy. Like to the point where I was, the guy I was with, James, bless him. And he'd just broken up with his girlfriend like that day. Um, so he was uh, looking for all kinds of other drugs, but he wasn't on acid or it was pissing him off because I was so happy. Like, and I was just having like interactions with people. There was this bit, I was probably so fucking irritating yeah. as I'm real. This bit where I had a little water gun and just like the joy of, I kept spraying this this um, guy and he was finding it pretty funny as well. Like when he was turning away and then I'd spray him in like the ear, like from across the room and stuff. And it was just like playing, you know, where you're not, you're not bogged down with shit. Like just like a child, like playing. So, um, just the weight was kind of taken. so that's quite interesting so because it's funny like I said going back to an earlier point is when I said to you um, you know people have perceived you as not being someone who you know should be perceived as someone who has mental health issues yeah you're um, you know you 
then basically are also the same guy who's not in my in my you know experience is not a massive drug i mean you don't do drugs regularly I mean, that's the thing so i think no, a lot of people yeah, have that associations yeah. with acid of being like you know some sort of new age hippie like whatever so it's quite interesting the fact that you reach that conclusion of trying to cure your depression with acid uh, via means that yes you had some experience with but it wasn't like you were kind of a uh, flying the flag for lsd and acid by any means no not one bit I think um, I was in a state where I was like, I think with that depression as well. Yeah, it does make you. It can make you reckless because I think you'd try anything. Um, and uh, I was just in the the. You've got low self worth, so it doesn't feel like you're risking much. Um, but it just feels like if you're not going to risk anything, you're not going to like you're not going to change anything if that makes yeah. sense like what I'd been doing up until that point wasn't working like I'd, I'd exhausted everything it felt like what else can you do really you can reach out to your friends you can ask your friends and your family for help therapy 100% therapy um, this was actually all before was it this was all before proper therapy okay all this stuff yeah because I remember talking to um, my therapist about like taking those acid, but um, and so I just thought, if you want something to change, do something differently, and um, break that negative feedback loop. Yeah, just you know, um, which can lead to like, I've also used that idea on other aspects of my life, which I won't get into, but that can really not work at times. Like, yeah. you know, I've done other things where I've the normal then you've got to do the extraordinary not always a good idea but you know again nothing mentioned nothing gained so yeah experience um, but yeah it was all about being safe which was so you're buying drugs off the internet what the fuck but you know how are you going to know that these are anything there was a couple of things I think it's the Elric test there's you'll be able to find them online there was three different tests that I did one's like the Fode folder or like a couple of different scientists I think that have these tests the the guy on on the or the person sorry I don't know if it was a man or woman on the dark web that I got it off of um, with the, like the best reviews um, and like had been selling it the longest wasn't mucking around you couldn't get like a couple of tabs it was like twenty five tabs of acid or nothing kind of thing so I bought twenty five tabs and that's you know that's a fair whack of acid um, and so I sacrificed one of those tabs and did the cut it into um, thirds and little drops of these tests that you can get off the internet and they'll turn a different color if it's like fake stuff or if it's real LSD and it was legit like it was proper acid so. and by this point you were like I said earlier willing to try anything I mean you were literally in a state of mind that you're gonna you know financially um, you, you were really kind of like breaking that fit negative feedback loop by really doing something totally out of the ordinary you never did yeah, this before I mean like I was like I was having suicidal thoughts and like all kinds like I was proper low, you know, and just didn't see any future. Wow. I mean, that is, that is, uh, I'm getting more. Uh, yeah, I know. It's still um, there, it's still the same there. Is it still a bit? Mm. Not, you just got it, it's on your arm it. now. Yeah. Uh, these headphones are about it's 10 years it's old. On your, um, it's on your guns. Yeah, yeah, watch out. Um, <laughs> so, um, from the conversation you and I have had before, you were in a situation where you 
said, right, well, the first things first, I'm going to actually go on an acid trip. You, you, not, you know, you're going to start off with doing acid, not microdosing it, but actually going for a, a trip. Yeah, I was reading a bit of that book. I can't remember. Uh, my research had led me on to this American author, a female author. Uh, she'd written a book about uh, something about how something like how microdosing made me happier and made my marriage better and this is quite a long title um, and she uh, she had done it for a year and um, um, and I was reading a couple of bits in her book uh, and it said that I can't remember her reasoning now but the first time maybe just to have an actual trip like you know do a macro dose as opposed to micro doses. yeah and for those of you who don't know micro versus macro is micro is small macro, macro is yeah, big like a proper one yeah um the difficulties like the actual logistical difficulties you don't know these are unregulated you don't know what you're getting so i've done the test i worked out how much that was whatever on the internet mr internet man whatever he says you know however strong they are probably knock like I don't know a fraction of that off sure uh, so you don't really know so with the always just be sensible like I didn't the first time I did it I didn't just have a tab because these are quite strong tabs there's also only so much you can put on a blotter I think sure um, but you know rather than getting to like the, maybe the, the technical side of things you, you decided to go on this acid trip um, so you bought this off the internet you tested it you were in a safe mind where you thought right okay this is you know legit um, yeah, and then I told walk um, us through walk us through that process if you you know in as much or as little detail as you want to. But how what, the first trip that I had? Yeah, I guess the kind of your first experiment with trying to use LSD as a cure for your depression, like just on that day, if you like, you know, you've done the test, you're good to go. Just walk us through that in you know. So I I I was I was um, I'd researched. Um, how the therapy used to work. Right. Um, and so it led me down this path of like, I'd written down a series of questions that I wanted to ask myself when I was um, on acid. Questions that I wanted a different perspective on. Yeah. Um, also, for self-care, um, I had, um, you're very suggestible when you're on acid. Um, in, what, so, in what way? Uh, so if you, you know, everyone always talks about having a bad trip, right? Right. Um, which, when you're depressed, it's pretty risky time to do it in a way because, like, if you're in a pretty negative frame of mind, then what's to say that it can heighten any any emotion that you're in? So what if you're just like outrageously fucking depressed and you throw yourself off a building, you know? Yeah. So, but you're very suggestible. So a couple of you need some kind of um, safety mechanisms in place and one of them is make a playlist of all of the songs that make you feel fucking brilliant um, so you've got that and so when you're on your trip if at any time you have start having a bad time you can put that on and it should I mean I did listen to it I was listening to a lot of great music because I'll get on to why um, and it does make you feel fucking brilliant you know um and I told, uh, so I was in a relationship. I told the, I told my partner um, that I'd bought some acid off the internet and uh, that I was going to go away. I, I got off Airbnb. I got a cabin in the woods, like a handmade wooden cabin. It was fucking beautiful. Um, in a, in like sixty acres of hazel woods near um, Brighton, and I got it for 
three days, so a day either side, right? And uh, there was a guy that lived kind of on site, but I got there, scoped it out, and then said, I'd lied to him, unfortunately, but it was the only way I could really think of, of making him stay away. Uh, and I said, I'm writing, I'm finishing writing something. I just want to squirrel away. I don't want to be bothered. I want to go and do my thing, you know? And it was, this thing was in nature, like proper nature. Um, it was beautiful. And it's like, you know, it's like a fucking Disney film. There's like birds everywhere and squirrels. And, and um, yeah, so took, um, took myself down there. I'd written out a series of questions that I want answered at the end of my relationship. Related to depression, I mean. Related was... to my past relationship. The things that were, were, had made me lose hope in life. And what had made you do that? I mean, that task seems very uh, orchestrated. Was that advice you'd taken? Was that just something you took upon yourself? Yeah, so that's f from the research. That's what, so things like the Cary Grant, that's all like the Fadiman, um, that's what they would do. You know, you'd have someone there asking these questions to probe. You'd be doing psychotherapy uh, whilst you're on, on this substance. Okay. You know? So you'd set the music, questionnaire, safe space, nature, isolated spot, told someone you were there. Told someone was there, had the things like, if it was beginning to go wrong, that should help me out. Um, yeah, and then that was the work, you know, those questions are the work. And I'd also, so at the end of, at the end of the relationship, it had got to such a state where I was having arguments, conversations with my ex um, about things. And then sometimes it was only like half an hour later, I would, we'd reference what we'd just spoken about and she'd be like, that didn't happen. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And we just, we just argued about this or, you know, gone crazy. We'd lost ourselves. It was, it was madness. So I was recording, uh, uh, I was recording our arguments. I was recording our conversations when it was getting really deep, because we were talking about very big things. She was she was accusing me of of some things as well, which categorically weren't true. And I was desperately because I was so under this person's spell. I was desperately like trying to see the way in which that I was to blame in in a lot of this, um, or or to blame in the way that she was framing it. Sure. I think when you're in that kind of relationship, irrespective of who's supposedly initiating things, you're both to blame. We had got ourselves in an abusive relationship and we were being abusive to each other. Okay. Um, and um, I think the difficult thing is that whenever people say abuse, you immediately think physical. The majority of it was highly emotional, verbal. Um, uh, it, it got physical a couple of times. Sure. So in terms of... Um, so going back to the, the experience in the woods that you had, uh, you'd basically got to the point where um, you felt like you were in a safe space, you were willing to try anything, and then so rather than going into too much detail, like I'm sure it's probably not the most um, entertaining thing in the world to hear about what people experience on their acid trip, I guess more to the point, how did the experience go? Was it negative, was it positive? What was the aftermath of it like once you actually had yeah, taking your full dose of acid and, and gone on the trip. So I woke up really early in the woods. Um, I ate beforehand. You won't eat much when you're on acid, on the whole, I think, in my experience. And that's like, that was researched off the internet, so I was kind of saying, you yeah, make sure you eat a load. Um, got up, dropped um, tab of acid. 
had everything mapped out. And then it, it takes a while for it to kick in. And so then uh, I'd taken some, uh, some things to do as well. Like I was painting actually when I first started, like just some activities to do, you know. I, went, I was whittling a lot at the time, but I was like, I can't have a fucking knife and like, <laughs> what if it goes wrong? And I like start trying to cut things up. I remember one of my friends told me once with his friend, you know, everyone's heard horror stories about Yeah, that, totally. And I think thought, that's a lot of the kind he of- He thought there was like five pound notes under his skin, so he was trying to like cut his skin off and stuff, whatever. You don't know if they're even true, but it might be. Um, I think the big thing that I've found is that it doesn't make you mad. Spice, things like spice and like these new synthetic drugs, they'll make you fucking mad. Like sure. I've got family members that are prison officers and the amount of madness that they get from those kind of things, which is why you don't want the synthetic shit, which this N-bomb and all that kind of stuff, because you don't know what that is really. Like, sure. and yeah. But so done this had my phone with the recordings on there, had my, my, my questions ready and just paper to, to write, you know? Yeah. And then um, I think it's like 45 minutes in. Also, I was right, I was journaling all of this. So I was just, you know, writing down. I should have brought that actually. It's quite interesting, like what the things that I was writing. Um, um, and then, yeah, like 45 minutes in, like I was, I was becoming high, you know? And then when I was proper high, that's when, well, you're kind of, you're, I was on a trajectory. Let me just ask, prior to taking the LSD, were you still ended up like in a very dark, depressive state? Yeah, yeah. Like even arriving at that cabin in the woods, even like everything that was going on, like at that point when this whole kind of journey uh, began, you were in the same state of mind you had been for a few for a few yeah. months I guess in a way it was alleviated slightly by on a mission okay and so but yeah 45 minutes in you start feeling the effects of the LSD yeah um, and like I say regard less so getting into sort of like the more kind of like you know I, I guess that's in the, an important factor of it but within the moments you started feeling the effects did the was you know was the depression uh, alleviated or was it still present like how did the depression um, dissipate or stay during that kind of experience yeah it was, uh, I think it was lifted like I think um, I think there's other things um, going on you know there's I was sat outside a cabin beautiful sunny day uh, surrounded like you know trees like here yeah and um, there was, I knew that st stuff was going on because it um, was beginning to happen because this tree here had like a vine wrapped around, like quite a thick vine, you know. And do you remember, you see the Jungle Book when you were a kid, like the yeah. cartoon? Scar, the, the, snake. the snake. Yeah. That, that turned into a snake for me in that moment. And so I was like, okay, everything starts breathing with you as well which, you know, I don't know the science behind it, but like, you know, the trees and things were breathing with me. I was like, oh, okay, this is what I've been told about, you know, which I guess is probably why people think it's like you feel at one with the, the world. Cause like, sure. I imagine it's our own breath that's doing something to our yeah, vision yeah. or whatever. Um, so then I started listening to these arguments, which are pretty full on, you know, I hadn't listened to them since they'd happened really. 
Um, I'm, I'm loving how mathematical, like how um, practical this whole experience yeah, is. Yeah, like you, you kind of had, you had again. your, um, you, you know, you really had thought about it. This doesn't seem like you, you know, you took some acid down a dark alleyway one night. Like, I mean, you yeah. literally kind of had. Like I'd planned it out before, but also from doing it, don't fuck around with it. This is your mind you're dealing with. Like you could, um, you know, you could, um, uh, you could. I've also heard stories about like there's a guy that dated uh, a friend of mine who he was at a party and supposedly bottle of acid or something fell on his fucking hand or something you know and it would just seep into your skin this stuff like and he's like crazy like Sid Barrett crazy people people you can fuck around with it too much and it will make you crazy like sure. what if it like ego death we were talking about this weren't you, you yeah, were telling yeah, me about yeah. this ego death so what ego death for those who don't know is this the idea of like taking hallucinogenics and you know uh, psychedelic substances um, whereby you know it removes the sense of the ego and therefore you just become a you know like nothingness and it's kind of like the death of yourself you you literally die you know metaphysically or, or spiritually or yeah. whatever you want to call it um, which is what an extremely you... traumatic experience for those who experience like I said you know this is nothing that I've experienced personally mm. but uh, yeah it's, it's a fascinating topic the idea that we need these drugs to take away the stuff that we build up around our ego within a modern society you know it's quite quite interesting what if they help you to dismantle things in a way that the structures that we've got in society what if you take too much of it and it dissolves reason yeah. or uh you know the fundamentals of of communication i don't fucking know yeah there's a guy that i know that i work with recently who um one of his mates at drama school, um, he actually sent him an email whilst we were doing the job. And uh, I think he was Piotr or something. He went on like a big ayahuasca fest or some shit, you know, mucking around with cacti. Lucinogenics have been around for like forever. There's, there's a lot of arguments that um, some people think that hallucinogenics are the reason why we started communicating or like at least started yeah. to express ourselves yeah. like artistically. Yeah. Like those... Um, those hand paintings yeah. you know where they chew up this red dye and they put their hand in and they spit it on the wall and it just leaves that thing that's like that's like that is the first time that you're like I am a different entity to my surroundings like sure. the really interesting thing with babies when uh, before a certain age again I don't have the um, the specifics but before a certain age babies don't understand that they are separate from the world so when they're hungry, their mother feeds them. They think that they've done that, or yeah. you know. So what if this like there's this chat that mushrooms, um, ancient uh, you know ancestors of ours ate these mushrooms, had a psychedelic experience, and that was when they were yeah. like, "This is me. I am. I am separate. I am a different entity." Um, the topic is so deep. There's um, just to go to some of the people who are uh, commenting, um, oh, yeah. Mr. Oh, Callum. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Callum Seven. So. Were you alone during your first trip? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, so there was a guy that was on site that lives there. Um, I would say, I would say self-care again. You don't want anyone coming. You want to police this situation. You don't want any surprises. Yeah. So I was in a place where, oddly enough, on that day, the guy was a potter. Uh, and he held like Raku uh, pottery classes and it happened to be on that day. And he was saying, when we were talking the day before, he was like, come down, um, you know, because I love pottery and I've done some Raku and like my mum was a potter. 
uh, and you know when I got super high like I was doing loads of work but then when like shit was going down like I was looking at things on the wall you get lost in things and things are moving and, and then you just I felt so euphoric that I went off into the woods I don't know how the fuck I got back to that hut but um, when I was uh, on my way there I met a couple of the people that were coming to the class and that freaked me out like you don't want to you want to be in your bubble with stuff that you know is controlled to a certain degree interesting because there's enough going on that you don't want I can only imagine if someone wanted to come up with you and fuck with you when you're on acid sure. like they could they could really give you a um, there's uh, one of the comments here from a user called 24 billion um so it says it's awesome to see this content from you um, well from Jack Best's life uh, discussing topics like this there's so much stigma around this stuff uh, I think it's extremely valuable um, I think that's kind of like was stigma around the drugs or depression what, on both maybe? Um, yeah I think I think potentially uh, the male depression side of things yeah. um, so prior to getting onto the conversation about microdosing and, and during this um, one thing I think is fascinating is the fact that male um Men, uh, mental health in men obviously is a huge topic nowadays it's not always been um, and it's something which um, for me personally like you know even at the age of 31 you know I think to myself god some of the conversations which are being had now would have been extremely useful particularly in a bit more of a tender age around sort of like 16, 17, 18 early 20s whatever um, but that said, I also think it's so valuable for guys and girls, but, you know, I think guys sort of have that kind of stereotypical um, preconception that they are uh, not willing to talk about these things. I'm so glad the conversation is going the way it is now. Yeah. Uh, I feel sorry for men. I look a bit prior like Rio Ferdinand, like people like, like the guy deserves a medal. Oh, oh. Professor Green. Watch the documentary, Professor Green. Yeah. It, it's you know. insane the fact that it's the still again the, the man's man kind of thing yeah the really. biggest killer of men under the age of 35 is male suicide yeah, which 45, is 50. which is insane I mean that is that is that is just staggering when you think about how many things there are to die in this world suicide is the top killer which that really kind of puts a kind of a big full stop on everything it's like well these are the stats this is the figures um and I think it's really important for even people like yourself, Ben, like I say, these guys who are perceived as sort of men, you know, guys, guys, you know, like, you know, it's not kind of, it's probably something that, you know, prior to, um, I guess, uh, society being more accepting of men being a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more um, susceptible to uh, being, you know, a victim of, of mental health issues, that someone like yourself is actually, you know, being more vocal about it. Yeah. I think it's really important. Uh, well, it's really important now, but... Was there a point in your life prior to what all the shit that happened with you? Was there a point in your life where you wouldn't talk about this openly? Because even coming on this podcast is obviously, you know, uh, very, uh, I guess, uh, you, you know, you very willingness to talk, you know, your willingness to talk about it. Yeah. And I think, well, um, I think I didn't know how to. I think I was trying to uh, when I was, uh, I think I knew I was in trouble, you know. I was depressed, man. Like, I didn't, I've classically there's someone that will probably never listen to this but my girlfriend of like five years when I was 18 I, I uttered the classic words of feelings that are there to be felt not spoken about like I was a clam dude I was like a closed book I'd come from my family didn't talk about their shit they dealt with it um, yeah you just don't talk about it it's yeah like yeah, yeah. I think that's very up. typical no, you suck it up get on with it it's like oh feeling a bit clam like you know 
I think there's also this uh, one, one thing that fascinates me as well is, is quite interesting is the um, a lot of stuff to do with Western culture being this you know I always think to myself like you know I'm a white uh, male middle class living in London um, you know what do you have to be depressed about or what you know what are your reasons uh, that you've got to be sorry for and you know I I, I definitely appreciate the argument you know this idea of like you know first world problems kind of thing um and it's you know i think you certainly need to be aware of it i also think at the same time is you are you and your world is your world i mean you don't know that you know people say like why are you depressed you know you're not living on the streets you're not a heroin addict you're not like suffered the social and and social economical injustices which certain people have felt um in our society what 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 reason do you have to be depressed about exactly and it is and I think that kind of older argument you're talking about of like, oh, you know, suck it up, you know, um, you got your help, you know, whatever. It's like, actually, like, that attitude is essentially, A, not helping the individual who's suffering, but also, B, it's not allowing the person who's, you know, spouting that advice or, if you like, that kind of mentality. They've, they've equally got their own stuff going on. You know, it's all this kind of thing is like, once you kind of open up the channel between a dialogue of two individuals the more healthier it becomes. And it's just about getting to that point, I think, now where guys, you know, from particular backgrounds or whatever, can sit down and be like, oh, I've had a bad mental health week. You know, this week has been a bad week for me mentally. You know, that would never happen. Even like, you know, as young as we are, that that would never happen five years ago. How you been? You know, you could say, oh, you know, I cracked my knee playing football last week. It's really hurting. Oh, shit, yeah, you need to get your yeah. knee sorted, all that. If you sat down at the pub and went, yeah, um, not had a great mental health week, actually. I've been a little bit anxious. I had a panic. <laughs> I always I struggle had, with ha- a not great mental health week. Yeah, exactly. Do you but know I what think, I mean? Yeah, we should be able to be, like, feel fucking depressed. Like, yeah, yeah. I've been depressed shit. today. I don't know what it's about. Maybe oh, it's this, shit, maybe it's that. It's like, I think shit. it's a hard... It's also, I mean, it's a minefield, isn't it? In the way that I think you can... Uh, uh, wallow in self-pity yeah and um, so there's a fine line between you need to acknowledge when you're feeling shit yeah totally so I think that's what we're talking about with Eastern European or that thing before where you need to be able to be like God, I'm feeling shit what's making me feel and shit and that's totally you know, fine and that is but, totally you know, fine also some things are just shit yeah, yeah, yeah and that's that's part of being life yeah like suffering yeah you know, absolutely or, you know, that's the whole people will uh, enable you to suffer and you will no doubt sabotage yeah. your life in a way that you will suffer and it's just part of life like it's it's really interesting and I think that um, again going back to this fairy tale bullshit romance shining armor my life you know my life's not perfect shit and I think actually this is a big reason I've spoken about before in this um, this podcast and live stream is we have this preconceived notion of um, you know what is life which is then exacerbated and, and amplified by social media where in a way like it kind of, once again enters that negative feedback loop and I've had personally my relationship with social media has changed massively in the last year to the point where I've had to really look at myself and go right I need to stop following X amount of people particularly yeah. from, particularly from a professional point of view not necessarily from a personal point of view like yeah. if my friend's bought a new car I don't really get jealous of that but if, if my friends you know or people that I know or even people I don't know are working on certain projects or doing certain things I go oh my it's yeah. like yeah, exactly what's your value what's your metric if your value is I need to be as successful as, as possible and to do that I, you know, your metric of measuring that is what are my friends up to yeah that's you're, you're like literally there's no ROI on that there's no return on investment yeah, you're literally yeah. going to just end at the bottom whereas if your value is I want to be really content in the work that I'm doing 
and yeah. I value and I measure that by going, um, am I happy with the work that I'm making? And yeah. if the answer is yes to both, you know, it's like, well, great, that's fine. Don't and worry about social it. media then. Post humans, another book that people should get their um, get their heads around, and it just uh, kind of talks about how I don't think we're designed to be in this era. That's so funny. And like, yeah. I remember I drove to Geneva ages ago. I went to this first time I was having a shit time. Uh, I didn't really get into the whole, you know, like psychedelic experiences. I bought a fucking ridiculous motorbike. I'd already had motorbikes. I spent money I didn't have on a gold wing. <laughs> this is, by the way, f- feeding straight into the Ben's and Man's Man. I mean, for those who are watching, Ben uh, does ride a motorcycle and yeah. has like the biggest toolkit of every man going. So, you're not the argument of you being the man's man is literally being uh, reinforced massively by set yeah. by the fact you also ride a motorbike. Yeah, and this is a huge motorbike as well. It's like a car, and I don't think if I was in like a healthy mental state, I would have just been like, I really want that bike. Like it was a statement. It was a touring bike. I just wanted. To what do you mean by statement? Uh, looks like a. I mean, it looks like a transformer, doesn't it? It was like. There's something about it where it's like going back to basics. Like it felt like a real gritty, like touring bike, you know? Yeah, yeah. I found it. I was like, yes, I'm drawn to you. I'm going to buy you and I'm going to disappear. And I left. I was in, I was in a great living place uh, with some very negative. I was living with three women that were just negative, like just not looking after each other, being just using each other. Yeah. And so I, I didn't really know what was going on. I was just like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Sure. Bought this, went up to Leicester. Represent Leicester. Yeah, that's what you promised. Yeah. Went up to Leicester, met this guy and paid like two grand. Like rode around. I'd never ridden a bike this fucking big. Uh, rode around on this thing and then just paid him. It was like, I don't think it was enough funds where it wouldn't let me actually pay for it on my card. Like I was trying to do a bank transfer, but it printed off this weird thing anyway, whatever. Got this bike and then went to Italy. Oddly enough, it was just before Mice and Men. So I got this job and I had two months and I thought, fuck it. I'm going to, the bypass, the film that I'd done was. Um, was well, I remember being shown at a festival. Premier and you're there tennis, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. tennis film festival, yeah. So I was like, you know what? I had a mate, I was working at this restaurant, the River Cafe, quite a posh restaurant. One of the lads there had just, he was half Maltese. He had just started a restaurant in Malta. Everything was just kind of clicking in this place where I was like, I had friends which were going to Italy because it was an Italian restaurant. Um, there's the sommelier that um, I've gotten really well with. She was going around a couple of different vineyards and went to Italy for a couple of months, just on the back of the bike, no plans, just went went via Switzerland with another friend. And how many years ago was this? Uh, that was five, six years ago. And were you suffering from depression then? That was the first bout, yeah. That was that first breakup. Uh, yeah, so five, six years ago, five, six years. I was like 27, 28. Uh, but, wow. And, um, so even like when you're like going down the freeway, you know, free spirit, doing like, dudes, you know. it fixed everything. It's something about, I think, in our profession where you don't feel like, I think a lot of us have problems with being in control. I think I've always been a, a control freak. Mm. I think it takes it to, the, uh, to a different level. Like uh, you can work the meritocracy doesn't exist you can work your butts off uh, even I remember watching a bit of your one of your last one when you had that mating in and you were saying like someone can do like a stupid video about farting and it will just get oh, loads yeah. of views well, or you guys it. could make like a kick ass oh, video yeah. 
It's well, that, nonsense. Yeah, it, it is nonsense. I mean, that's yeah, you know, that's a whole that's a whole, a whole different video. Thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there was something about I was the master of my own destiny again, and so I went out on this motorbike uh, and just travelled. I was camping, didn't know where I was going from day to day, but I had people on the back. Um, and I was still in a very destructive, like I was in a heavily destructive frame of mind. I was having sex with everything I could get my hands on, like friends, uh, uh, people that friends uh, had like, they weren't in relationships with, but there was like certain kind of off limit people. Like I was very destructive. So that's quite interesting. So sort of bringing it back to the topic of, of, of depression and what you were suffering from, obviously prior to your acid episode, um, these were sort of in a way mechanisms in which you were trying to cure it, which obviously weren't that, if you like on the front forefront of your consciousness going like, Oh, um, I'm going to sleep with a lot of women to cure that. I'm going to go on a road yeah, trip to cure this. Cure, I'm yeah. going to... This was all kind of like, in a way, um, if it's fair to say, um, you just basically trying to live your life in the fullest, thinking that that's going to cure it. It's Yeah, it's all part of the issues that I had. Hedonism, I think, is a, Hedonism, is, yeah. is a clear sign of when someone, uh, as weird as it might sound to some people, you're not looking after yourself. Mm. Like, I was setting fire to my life all over the place. Um and Were you aware of it at the time? Uh, not really, no. I a think little bit. I think that's just really interesting. It's like the bit. kind of the retroactive. It's only afterwards that you're like, fuck, what was I doing? And like, and people that I'd loved, like loved, not necessarily like in the sense of like, you know, want to spend the rest of my life with, but people that I really care about and mistreating them because of my own issues, really. Um, but then it was all to serve a purpose because I was like, it's something about being the master of my own destiny, I think. Sure. Um, I've got a question here on the chat from It's Tubbs. Shout out to Tubbs. Tubbs. Um, Tubbs. Who's Tubbs? Who's Tubbs? I don't know. Just a, just a, a user. Is that Shannon Tubbs? Oh, maybe. I, I don't know. I think it is, yeah. Hey, Shannon Tubbs. Hey, Do you think? Man. Totally. Yeah. Well, even it isn't. Like, let's not, you know, we, never, we don't know that. But anyway, It's Tubbs. Sure, uh, it's I love Tubbs. the fact you guys are talking about this. Depression can be uh, difficult to identify with or to admit to yourself. Um, what yeah. was your journey to realizing you're experiencing depression? I guess that's kind of quite an overarching thing. Say that again, what was your journey? Well, what was your what was your journey to realizing you were experiencing depression? I guess kind of like, in a way, if I'm reading it rightly, what was, it is times, um, what is the kind of, what was that kind of, if, if you like that linchpin moment? Was there a kind of a, very much a kind of a, 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 a moment where you were like, right, this is it, I, I've reached, not necessarily like end game, but like. I mean, it's just such a drawn out process, isn't it? Like, it was when, admit to yourself, was your journey realizing you were experienced depression? Difficult yeah, to identify or admit to yourself. And I think, uh, I think it's an important thing to, for, to talk about for other people that, uh, like even like yourself earlier when you, you were saying like, oh, I was feeling a bit shit, but I don't think it was depression. I think I'd, I'd been, I've been saying that for so long. Yeah. yeah, I've been saying that for so long to yourself because there is the stigma where you're like, you don't want to, I think a you lot don't, of You don't want to admit it. Oh, and absolutely. And I think what's interesting as well is... Um, it's all terminology, isn't it? It's yeah. a, a lot, much like... Can you just pass the, those headphones, by the way? Yeah, much like the um, when we were talking about abuse earlier, like it's these terminology that people have kind of petrified about. Yeah. And I think depression, What? when did I know... 
I think it's this sustained it's just MO like modus operandi like just fucking just apathy and I'd always been someone that had had so many interests and like a zest and yeah just waking up and wanting to go back to bed um, and not just not being interested like not being involved um, and and also you're not aware like I would say both of these things I didn't like when I was depressed the second time I didn't just be like ah oh, fuck I'm going to take acid and get over yeah. this um, I think we're so we're so clever as as beings you know mm. we're so like innately aware of what's going on yeah. like even like with diet so um, you know we all crave sugar I just bought some um, umami paste because I, I make uh, fudge and it's like the fifth taste right and and was just reading up on it and you've got sugar that we we crave sugar because our bodies naturally think that's energy right umami plants supposedly made umami as well because that's actually the fifth taste that we love and so it's things with seeds like fruit is really sweet because the plants fucking know that we want sugar yeah. so they make their fruit really seeds so that we eat it so that we eat their seeds and then we, we move and we ship yeah. the seeds out somewhere umami is another thing that um, that um, we, we crave and so there's certain things that have seeds which, which have an umami taste and I think we just know like you intrinsically know like um it's, it's hard to um, articulate but you just know when you're in trouble and I think I wouldn't have really asked for help that much in the past sure I started talking about out about things when uh, I knew that I, I wasn't able to, to sort it out that's that's um, I mean it's, I think it's so quite- yeah I think it's the, the sustained nature of it that you're like fuck something's changed sure. and I need help or sure. I need to do something um, so let's take it back back to LSD um which is, which is, which is the whole point of this? Because it's I think so hard this, isn't it? Because it's such, there's such like overarching. Oh, I like, mean, we could literally talk. That, I mean, we've been we going go on tangents for days, hour and a half. We've been talking. Huh. It's crazy, isn't it? I, I once again, I said to Ben, I was like, "This is, you'll be amazed at how how much you can talk about something which obviously is a personal thing for you, but as someone who's interested in this, and like I said, I hope the people watching and listening to this find it interesting also, um, the length and the depth, because I mean, this taps into everything. I mean, we know we talk about relationships, that affects your mental health, and we talk about the remedies to it. Um, for me, I think the, the, the interesting thing about all of this, and the reason I'm quite interested in it, is because men talking about this more than women, you know, which is stereotypical, but the way that men talk about it, um, I'm so glad that we're getting to a point where we can talk about it in such an open forum. Yeah. And so the mad respect for yourself, Ben, coming on this and and, 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 and discussing the things that you've experienced yeah. uh, in the way that it is. Um, and we've, I mean, we're quite lucky as well. We've got mates that are even like further ahead. Of well, us, well, like exactly. Sam. Yeah, and I think um, once, in, uh, and, and I actually Paul want to talk about and, that. Like, we're yeah. really lucky with Ned. So, um, in our very close circle of friends, we um, there's a guy. Shout out to Sam Gardner, aka Sam Swan. Um, Sam set up something called the Blokes Group, which yeah. is um, whether or not he set it up exclusively well, in London. It came or from great men, but I think yeah, they he started yeah. it up for for us for so, our immediate. So anyone listening or watching, it's a really interesting um, thing whereby 
Uh, it's a it's a, a group of men uh, who don't necessarily know each other. It can be start off with friends, but essentially a group of men, a Facebook group whereby men can just go on there and talk about anything and everything that they want to do with their mental health at any point. Uh, there was an instance a couple of uh, weeks ago where one guy jumped on and said that um, he experienced a panic attack very shortly yeah. after experiencing one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he went on this Facebook group and just, you know, private group, just started talking about it. All of a sudden, five or six guys yeah, just started jumping just in, involved, just started getting involved. So like, I've experienced that. This is what I did to combat it. Don't worry, man. You're all good. You're fine. Don't worry about it. And then the, the added bonus of this group is the fact that everyone meets up every fortnight, every three weeks, um, just sit around a, a bloody pub, have a pint, and you just talk about your mental health. And it's just, it seems... Things like that are just human nature, aren't they? But it's, it's bizarre how we've got through, we've managed to be stoic. I don't know how, like, through the generations, men have managed to cut themselves out of these stoic individuals. But I think it's always been available for women to, oh, well, I think, to have those groups where they can talk about themselves. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of it's to do with the kind of the perception of, you know, what is the alpha male and, and the way that that is perceived, you know. And... We're victim to our own culture in the way that you know we you know men are perceived in media and films and TV and you know the, the leading male you know he's not someone yeah. who talks about depression. Talk it, much. Got a little it, matchstick in his exactly. Mouth. Got a matchstick. You know, rides a horse. He punches scars. punches men. He's you know he's very much kind of uh, punches sort of, horses. Yeah, punches horses. Do whatever. Do whatever the fuck he wants. Um, so going back to the LSD. Um, this is what's very interesting about all of this is um, so you have this acid experience yep. um, also listen to the Beatles if you want like, <laughs> I, like, I listen to the Beatles Sorry. my whole life and oddly enough we're like you know Abbey Road around the corner um, don't give away the address Ben they might start stalking us good luck yeah trying yeah. to find us um, but that was one of the oddly enough like not only the avenues of listening to those conversations between me and my ex which are fucking brutal and just writing about things and and see it. I did. I genuinely saw different parts, and I could see. I'd always seen the kind of the damaged little girl in in my ex, and then um, and then I could see what I was trying to do as well. And I felt sorry for both of us. Like before, I think I always felt sorry for myself because I could only really see it from my perspective. But I think I felt sorry for her in a different way. Where like, uh, well, I won't get into it. It's just too big. But um, so it really helped me like see different avenues um, of what we were talking about, um, what I was uh, what was going on there. Um, and then, then when it when I got really fucking high, like get rid of that, I'm high, and mm. I'm the sun was out. I was listening to Here Comes the Sun, um, you know, listening to so many Beatles tracks, which those motherfuckers took so much acid, you can just tell. And listening to things that I'd listened to since I was like six. And realizing that, oh fuck, this is about acid. Like this is about. I think there's so many songs which are about that experience. Um, and then you know, skipped off into the fields and um, and then got hold of my phone and we're like calling mates and stuff. And, mm. um, but then yeah, when I came back, I felt light. Like I felt like a burden. I felt like I'd wrestled with something. And I think it was having an honest conversation with myself in my head. I, I felt like I'd reset a lot of things. Um, um, and um, it definitely, colours was one thing that I noticed for a long time afterwards that when you're on acid, I all of the colours were so vivid. Um, and that stayed with me. Like I was driving back uh, from Brighton and just like green fields and, you know, like so bright. So... 
And I think that helps, like, because there's something about like the brush that makes everything feel a bit monochrome. Was there something about your experience? I mean, did you come off the end, the back of it and go, "Oh shit, my my depression is now cured"? Um, were you, were you, no, was it, was it that? Was there's it that underlying there's underlying issues and hurt and pain. I didn't feel so apathetic. I felt I felt hope for the first time. Oh wow! Okay, that's interesting. And, um, you know, I felt. Um, you know, there's a lot of work to do, man. Like, not only I was in a destructive relationship for two years, but aside from that, like, I was best friends with that person for eleven years before that. So she's not in my life anymore, and that's a painful thing. I think also like all of my past baggage as well, like. It's the beginning of. I'm still going through it. It's like two yeah, years later. Totally. Like so, I don't. It doesn't cure it. I think you're depressed for a reason, um, and it takes a lot of courage and work and time to, um, you know, if you're unfortunate enough to, if there's aspects of your childhood or or your life up until that point that have made you behave or you've learnt certain behaviour or. Um, that has led to this, then you've got to try and unpick that and understand it, you know. So it's a long process. But you'd, you felt you felt hope you felt hope for the first time, big time. So and then I was microdosing after that. Okay, so which basically after yeah, an hour, got, hour, like, hour and forty-five, which is, I mean, it's just it's it's fascinating because this is obviously a subject which is full of um, you know um, lots of different avenues to explore. Yeah. So did you know before you took acid for that macro dose that you were then going to start microdosing yeah I think so because it was talking about creativity there's another aspect of it that I was really interested about they, they'd kind of spoken about this in Silicon Valley a lot of people using yeah. um, I'd, so, I'd also at the same time as getting all that LSD I'd got a lot of uh, golden golden teacher uh, magic mushrooms off the dark web as well and so because I wanted to do like a natural thing as well so that's quite interesting because um, in my research for those of you who aren't aware of the kind of conversations which are being had around this, uh, Forbes magazine uh, back in 2015 uh, released an article called LSD Microdosing, the new job enhancer in Silicon Valley and beyond, uh, written by uh, Robert Glatter. Uh, BBC made a short film about this in 2017 right. uh, for the Victoria Derbyshire program, which is you can watch uh, on YouTube. Uh, and Vox, uh, big shout out to Vox, um, cover the topic in 2016 through a short documentary. Um, it seems that the internet and counterculture itself is sort of um, slightly ahead of the, the, the curve with this one. Um, however, it's now with these kind of examples starting to infiltrate the mainstream. I wonder um, when microdosing, you know, and I think it's important to stress when we talk about microdosing from my, you know, from the experience that you've, you've talked about it, microdosing isn't taking LSD to have the kind of hallucinogenic effects of it. Is that mm. accurate to say? Um, the whole thing, I think it's, I can't remember what it is now. It's either 12, it's between 12 and 25 micro, Mikes, yeah. uh, micrograms. But, but which you, means that it's sub, sub-perceptible. So although you will feel certain things, like colours, I found when I got it right, it's a lot of experimentation, like a lot, and I got it wrong a couple of times as well. And that's not fun. I don't necessarily want to go into the sort of the details of how you microdose itself. I don't want to sort of give this content over as a kind of a, a beginner's guide to microdosing. Uh-huh. So just saying that you found the way of microdosing. Yeah. 
Um, it's so much guesswork. As yeah, well, totally. You, don't know, you know, it's not totally. Uh, I think that's important. Why we wouldn't advocate, you know, your methodology of how no, you no. how you reach that point no. of what is microdosing. It's, uh, yeah, it's all experimentation. Yeah, self experimentation. But you didn't feel the hallucination. You, you didn't feel like you were on an acid trip when you were microdosing. Um, no, 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 no. So what could you uh, do? What was your, what wrong, your day like, stay like? Um, so you you can't take acid every day. Because your body, oddly enough, gets used to it. Yeah. So you have to give like every every third day. And uh, when you get it right, it literally just made me feel kind of a bit lighter. Um, colors again, vivid. And I wonder if there's a certain callback to after uh, in that big acid trip um, when I was I went out into the fields and I felt like. I felt at one with the world, you know. I, the sun was beaming down. I was in a beautiful hazel forest. Like I felt like I felt like I was in a fucking Disney film. Um, but I felt joy. Uh, I felt almost like um, uh, like uh, hmm, I don't know, like uh, like a, a higher experience, you know, like some kind of. I don't know, deity or, or something. I didn't feel like a deity, obviously, but like I felt like there was some kind of reason to the to the world. And um, I wonder if there's a certain callback to that as well with the with the micro dosing afterwards, because when you get the the kind of vivid colours, um, everything just feels brighter. I would say, hmm. um, and it did. I don't know. So, how long are you taking? Is it a daily thing? Is it something that you did for X amount of period? Like, did you did have, a, have a plan? Three months. Wow! So three months you were microdosing LSD yeah. on a daily basis. No, no. So not every day. It's every third day. Every third day you're microdosing. Yeah. Okay. In the morning, in the evening, like. Uh, yeah, in the in the morning, um, however many drops, because you're diluting into things, but we won't go into it. Um, you a couple of drops under your tongue. Um, and then just get on with you do. Were you able to function in normal society? I mean, could you converse with people? When you get it right, yeah. It's sub subperceptible. When I got it wrong, nah. It's not ideal. I'd, I'd, I'd obviously taken too much on one particular occasion and like just fucking motor functions were a bit rubbish and, and just didn't really want to be around people. And um, couldn't concentrate. I mean, you mixing it with other drugs like alcohol, like no. nicotine. You weren't smoking. No, no, at the time. I was being. I was no. Uh, yeah, I was being very kind of like um, healthy in a way, you know. Um, so three months of microdosing every third day. Yeah. Um, what were you exp- during that time? Were you experiencing um, a positive change in your life? Um, how was depression? Uh, how's your depression going alongside this microdosing? Uh, throughout that time, I felt like I was uh, properly battling it, I think. I felt like I was doing something to fix it. That's actually, it led me to therapy in a way. Wow, so you um, actually were seeing a positive change? Yeah, and I felt like I felt like I was beginning to go through things. Like I was journaling a lot. I was beginning to actually look at my own behaviours um, uh, go back into the past and try and look at what was going on and and, and it led me to think that um, I needed uh, help to kind of look into that interestingly we've got uh, Maddie, Maddox Hardcore it, actually, with the therapy. 
Uh, and I think I know who this is, has been microdosing on and off for three or four months. Uh, one month on, uh, every third day, one month off. And it was like hitting the reset button on my brain. Oh, cool. um, then doing a large trip about a month ago, and it was truly a lasting experience. I haven't really microdosed since. Um, I meditated, and I came up, and it framed up the whole trip. I would say meditation's uh, something that I've probably replaced. I hear this, I hear this so often, particularly Turns on Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan experience. Um, you know, individuals that go the on Wim that. Wim Hof, actually, guys, get the Wim Hof app. It's fucking brilliant. There is like Tim Ferriss often asks the question on his podcast where he says, um, "What is the biggest investment with the biggest return, or something along those lines?" And so, yeah, so often the answer is uh, investing the time or the experience into uh, meditation. Mm. And it's just amazing how how much now, particularly hearing these comments, like how often that is becoming a common answer between individuals who are uh, saying how beneficial it is. That was a part of the big trip, actually. I didn't mention that. I've got these Equisync tracks, which... um, um, supposedly allow um, they send frequencies like sound frequencies to your brain which help you to meditate and, in a way so I was listening to them when I was doing certain things so I was kind of meditating through it as well I mean I, I find this like infinitely uh, fascinating I mean I really do and um, I think that what's interesting about this is the fact that um, and I, and I go back like, to this actually factor. talking about it again like makes me really want to do it again <laughs> well after a few beers as well it makes you want well, to do it well I know I've been thinking about it actually when you, when you asked me to come on and talk about it I was like because I'm in such a better place now as well and I just wonder like we say like it's everything's this is all a journey right totally and no matter where you're at or how good you feel or um, like I think I wonder if it's another time to try that out again because I, I think there are some real benefits from it um and just like perception, allowing yourself to, to see different perceptions almost. In a way, would you say it's fair to say microdosing after the fact of the you know the macro trip and the actual big you know the beginning of the experimentation into uh, LSD was it the gateway in a way that just essentially also opened up other possibilities? You mentioned therapy, journaling, um, meditation. In a way that even even if it didn't help primarily, like, you know, uh, directly, it actually also helped sort of like opening up options. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what it's done to me. I think it was just at that time it was the it was the life raft that I needed, and uh, I think I needed someone to to throw that lifesaver out there, and because I was just you know in pretty. Um, tumultuous seas you know um, and so it just gave me that space to actually to, to sit down and have a bit of peace and actually look around yeah. at what else I could do um, wow this is funny yeah, yeah this, the individual uh, once again Maddox Mad- Mad- Hardcore Mad- such a handle yeah. that? Um, hard to the core I won't name names but yeah I think I know this individual um, yeah, it helped me in a way that SSRIs never had I don't know what that is that's that antidepressants isn't it? oh really okay I think it's serotonin uh, always... re-upt- re-inhibitors or something okay and that's, that's, what's, that is. that's what's so interesting so I was actually the first time actually that's important too the first time that I suffered from depression I went to my GP and was telling him like I was just trying to tell someone I was like dude I'm fucking struggling here I cannot get out of bed I, I've got I've always been a proactive kind of uh, being able to like hustle my way through sure uh, you know situations and also being an actor fucking bothered like couldn't be bothered 
um, someone would be like if you go around that corner now you, there, there'd be an opportunity for you but like yeah. cool uh, you know I'm, I'm just yeah I'm just checking out mate I'm just gonna sit here and fucking do nothing probably not even watch TV but um, went to the doctor and their first port of call is uh, we can give you some antidepressants and I just knew that my mum took antidepressants they're dog shit I think I think they really help some people when they're in 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 a bad way like I've only ever once said to someone that I know I think maybe you should get some antidepressants because I'm worried about them killing themselves but up until that point I just there's someone about them they don't know what they fucking do half the time I just didn't want to get into that because like I know a lad that I went to school with who who had a breakdown he was smoking a lot of um, heavy skunk and uh, um, and uh, it he lost his mind highest dose of uh, you know uh, antidepressants and um, he's only just come off them like a little while ago like I'm talking like months ago and this happened uh, 12 years ago like he's been weaning himself off these fucking things for years and I just didn't want to get into it sure sure and I totally appreciate that which is why I wanted the mushrooms actually more because I I'm a firm believer in in plant based yeah and LSD is synthetic I guess I mean it's created it's a it is a chemical but it's like it's 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 um, synthesized on something well, which in, is already there in my research psilocybin uh, yeah in my research this is also a great documentary on Vice um, by uh, Hamilton I think his name is who does a series of psych basically just sort of like DMT uh, yeah DMT and he does the whole um uh, smoking uh, frog um, oh, licks frog. the frogs out yeah yeah well no he actually smokes it they, they extract it from the frogs yeah. they, they farm it properly and have the most unbelievable trips once again it's a natural yeah you could argue it's natural I mean, but it is like a form of DMT like this has been around for eons so. it's funny because like, you know as an individual who's never experienced um, like tribes, acid like giving uh, cacti to, yeah. to like coming of age Ceremony. We'll um, we'll wrap things up because we're hitting the two hour mark. Believe it or not, can you believe that? It's unbelievable, isn't it? So long. Two hours. That's, it's crazy. Yeah, well, I feel like we could do a chapter I hope two. We enjoyed it. I we could like do a chapter been... two for sure. I guess my final kind of question towards you, Ben, is: um, Are you still microdosing? No, not no. Always. So but how long? When, yeah. So when? So when did? So you did it for three months, and then you got. To, was there a very conscious thing? You got to end up three months, and you went. I'm A, I'm cured, or, or B, right, that's it, I'm done with acid, I'm going to look for other means. What was the kind of end journey with LSD and microdosing and depression? I think um, I went away for a bit in a, into another country and I couldn't take it. Um, and, and it wasn't even that long. I went and did a job um, somewhere and um, came back and they just didn't do it. Like, didn't need it. it didn't, you know. Well, you I say was, you didn't need it. Before that point, were you saying, I do need it? Well, I think, I guess when I'd started it, like something had made me feel like I, I needed something. And, and that's what I'd, I'd come across. Um, and yeah, I think I was just, this is not, like I wasn't doing it to, to, to take drugs. Yeah, exactly. And, and, that's, to, and, that's, for rehabilitation. and that's what's fascinating. That's why I got you on rather than, you know, uh, a hippie or you know someone who like takes you know you're an individual who's you know pretty clean living you know I've learned a lot of you in terms of dietary things you know the way that you know uh, ketosis I've learned off of you and stuff like that so you're an individual who cares a lot about their health cares a lot about the way they conduct themselves 
And so when you throw acid into the equation, all of a sudden the preconception of a societal point of view is like, oh my God, what a, what, what a dropout, what a counterculture, what an absolute waste man, all that kind of stuff, which is why it's fascinating that you're, um, you, you started to delve into this yeah. and why I'd like to bring the conversation forward when it comes to this thing. Because back to the thing you were saying about antidepressants you know, that doctors prescribe is the fact that people do find means of curing their own depression through unhealthy methods, whether that's alcoholism, uh, or it might be uh, marijuana, or, yeah. or abuse within relationships, whatever it yeah. may be. Um, I, I also I, think, like, I've suffered with eczema my whole life, right? Eczema? Eczema, yeah, since I was a kid. And it's kind of come in and out, and that's probably why I got into, like, dietary things. Doctors don't have a fucking clue about eczema. And I think there's a lot of things which are our, our uh, kind of um, current school of medicine don't understand like I think there's uh, like steroid claims for eczema just bullshit sure just, like, they would essentially put it inside so it's things that are happening it's also to be a gut really but um, well gut health is becoming huge now like one, that's like the first and foremost like now everyone's talking about that's yeah, the like main thing fasting and like you know which we both do and um um, like allowing um, that part of your body to actually um, re- rejuvenate itself, regenerate itself. But I think, uh, and also, oddly enough, a lot of this, I learned a lot of these mindsets. I'd actually learned from my ex, that such a destructive relationship. Like I learned so much from that person. And that was something I looked up to her so much. And I still do as well. Like it's taken me a long time to, to get to a place where the other bits like haven't clouded that over. But I've still got a lot of love for that person. and and the kind of inquisitive nature sure. of her life, you know. Sure. And, um, yeah, I think um, uh, there's a lot of things that they don't know. I also know two of, two of my friends that used to be drug reps. Um, they'd be going around to GPs and, and you've got pharmaceutical companies, which are the fucking devil, that have created a new drug and given it symptoms. And then these people go around to GPs and sell it to a GP. And they will essentially come up with a new ailment and be like, oh, you're, of anyone that's coming to you like suffering from this, this and this. I think antidepressants, there's a lot out there. I don't know enough about them, but I know a couple of people that use them. Some people, they really help. I think other people you can in that kind of thing. Sure. And I think it's this, again, all part of the problem. Uh, you should watch, um, uh, oh fuck, what's that? Not the um, stronger, faster, but the, uh, that American dude that did the, the prescribe. Oh, um, you mean uh, the guy who did the McDonald's thing as well? No, 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 no. This guy, his brother died. Um, he did one about steroids like a long time ago, and then he's done prescription me. No, prescription no, no. me, might be called that. Watch that, like America's like. Oh, don't get me. I mean, like don't get me craziness. started on that. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to get um, uh, a doctor friend of mine on here uh, to talk about um, big pharma, especially in the UK. Yeah. I mean, we hear a lot and about again, the US. Like, you know, Xanax. Oh, it's just such bullshit. Uh, Fake Xan. So Xan culture now, man, is just outraged. People I'm, thinking that they they're not going to feel unhappy. You know, it's all part of the same thing. Well, I also think. as well as you know, it bleeds into a massive debate, which I don't want to go into now. But you know, all talking about um, you know the anxiety issue that's being felt across 
you know, youth culture, when it comes to social media, when it comes to... I mean, I just, I th- I just think we're seeing the start of it. Zan culture now. We've, and a lot of people don't know what that is, that. but literally, like, Xanax as a drug... I really worry about, like, the generation under Yeah, us. I think... And the thing is, like, we were, we were just on the edge of that bell curve, I think, of just the kind of catching the, the wave of it, but we were kind of, like, still riding the shallow like, the shallow waters. Um, so, final like question Instagram, to you, Ben. Yeah. Both. So... It, it, it's interesting. I think a lot of this format of this content that I want to make is based on the idea of unfiltered. So this is not edited. This is literally two people having a conversation, yeah, yeah. which I think is so important because a lot of social media people and uh, you know people who are influencing the next generation's opinions do come a point of view. Where it's like, well, this is pre-recorded, and this is how perfect my life is, and here's my Instagram account, and here's my Twitter account, so on and so forth. It doesn't help. Yeah. help Hold it, it does, you know. I'm not saying you this know, I'm is not, real life, and we're, we're both life. just wearing pants. We're literally in our pants in my bedroom, like having a few beers, having a chat. This is an editor. We had mic issues earlier, like, this is all very natural. Um, so I suppose my final question is A, overall, did microdosing help your depression? And B, um, would you do it again? Or, or I guess, what is your state now with depression, your relationship with depression? Um, yeah, I think it is. I think at that time, I think it really helped me, and I think it took uh, took the edge off um, in a way that I needed it to. Um, and and maybe if it's even like similar to that, might not necessarily be the microdosing itself. This is why actually I've been quite interested to try it again because much like I think that's why I bring up the motorbike um, story before when I went on a tour to Malta and Venice and all that kind of stuff. Maybe I was just doing something where I felt in control, sure. where I was doing like, I'm a psychonaut, I'm, I'm, I'm a, uh, an adventurer on a motorbike, I'm in control of my own destiny. Maybe I'm a psychonaut with these, uh, with these micro uh, doses where I'm like, I'm in control again, I'm doing something which is helping me. But I would also argue that percept- um, my perceptions at the time seemed heightened and, sure. and I felt like, even if it's placebo, like fuck, that's yeah, exactly. like a podcast. Like placebo is 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 really interesting as well, um, and um, uh, yes, I will try it again. Um, uh, and uh, with depression now, I think I don't know. I get the feeling like when you experience it, I wonder if you're ever. The I same. think when you're open to it, when you let it in, I think anyone can fall off the bandwagon and have a shit time. Like I'm still in therapy. I I go and see someone once a week, and I'm learning a lot. Like uh, I'm in a um, a very kind of work based frame of mind when it comes to that. Where I've uh, she's given me books that I'm reading and I'm I'm trying to learn about classic it. like male point of view of like just give me the tools and the answers and I'll go off and do it. Yeah. Kind of like practical rather than being like I this is a long a while ago. Yeah, when yeah. I was like, can you just tell me what? Yeah, I need ex- to do exactly. Yeah, the first... and that's all part of it. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like subjecting well, your 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 will to someone else. Totally. Like, it's all part of the problem. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think. I've learned a lot about my situation, and so it's all about that that sustainability. Um, so yeah, I think I'm a lot stronger. Um, right. Um, and I I would say that that microdosing did help me, but that's then again it just doesn't. It might not have like no, exactly. I tried. I microdosed um, the mushrooms and I I powdered them up, made them into little pills, and even when I got the dose right, that didn't work for me. Sure. Um, so it might not work for different people. And, I guess yeah. the important takeaway is 
at least the conversations being had that there are things out there and you know the the ultimate takeaway i guess putting words into your mouth is just try stuff and be open about it and you know whether that's acid or microdosing or therapy or journals or whatever it may be is the fact that recognize the problem and then sort of action it i would say the big takeaway for me actually which is from my personal experiences the times that i've done stuff like this so i told before even that big um big trip i did or the microdosing people macro. were in my life yeah. so the macro and then the micro people in my life i was speaking to about it which i think is a big sign i've also done other things with other drugs which i won't go into which were hugely detrimental to, to my health and also myself uh, which I actively didn't tell anyone. And I think that's a big thing because, again, we are very um, perceptive. And I think if you can't tell anyone about it, and I'm not saying the world, I'm just talking about anyone, it's probably because you know it's a really fucking bad idea. Totally. Um, and so, yeah, I would say experiment. I think that's what it's all about. Like, experiment in, but be safe with it. Um, be, be clever and, and talk to people about it. And then, Explain yourself. Do your research. Explain why you want to do it. Totally. Um, and you know. And then, if they love you and know you, then then they'll go along with it. So, there we have it, guys. Episode three. Jack talks to. I hope you enjoy that one. I really enjoyed making that episode. Huge thank you to Ben for joining me, um, talking about some very personal stuff there, making himself very vulnerable, uh, and letting us in on his experience. So, huge thank you, Ben. Greatly appreciated. Um, so guys if you uh, enjoyed make sure you uh, hit subscribe on the YouTube channel as well as uh, follow uh, the podcast you can watch the live streams if you want uh, on my YouTube channel go out every week youtube.com forward slash Jack versus life if you want to hit me up on Twitter or Instagram it's at Jack Conan Burke uh, and by all means feel free to drop us an email info at burkefilms.co.uk um, so yeah, guys, I feel we're in the swing of things now. Episode three out of the way. I'm really enjoying this. I'm going to continue to keep doing these podcasts. Uh, they're a huge amount of fun, and I've got plenty more guests to invite on. So thanks for sticking around, and I will catch you next time, my hombres, amigos, friends. That's better. Catch you next time. Peace and love. Bye.